In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Verse 34 of our Gospel says, But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. Luke reports this to us. Just after, just after the disciples had heard the very clear and plain words of Jesus, Jesus said that they were all going to Jerusalem, and there he must suffer and die. And it was not the first time he had told them. But they understood none of these things. Why? Our Lord couldn't have been any clearer. His words are simple and plain. He said to the twelve, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. Plain words, clear language. They understood none of these things. What are we to make of this problem? Well, St. Luke does not say they understood none of these words. They understood the words perfectly well. They comprehended, just like we do, that the Lord was speaking of his suffering and death. But Luke says they understood none of these things. How could their Lord be delivered over to the Gentiles to suffer and die? That's what they could not understand. It was incomprehensible to them. And the twelve disciples... They already have a particular opinion of Jesus, that he is their Messiah, that he is their future king. The 12 disciples expected to go to Jerusalem, not to see their king suffer and die, but to see him enthroned, honored even. They expected him to be the great king of Israel, and for him to bring on a new era for the Jewish nation. And but even besides that, Jesus had already, more than once, escaped the murderous hands of his enemies. So the disciples' human reason was revolted at the idea that Jewish rulers would hand him over to the Gentiles to be executed. Not Jesus, they reasoned. Jesus had been easing pain in all of Judea. Jesus had been healing the diseases of many. Jesus had even raised the dead. Human reason would expect that Jesus would be welcomed into Jerusalem. And at the very least, one of the rulers would at least say, thank you. But to torture Jesus? To kill Jesus? Human reason says that's out of the question. 
the disciples were prone to doubt. Doubt hides the truth. Human reason is prone to doubt. But even more than doubt, they were offended. Offended by the idea that their king should suffer and die. The son of man, the son of God. Concerning the suffering and death of the son of man, our own reason doubts it. The death of God, our own reason is offended by it. The death of my Lord. The twelve disciples that day heard Christ's words clearly. See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day he will rise. The disciples had heard these words, but they couldn't put two and two together. The meaning of this clear saying was hidden. Doubts entered their minds. And the true meaning of these words, these simple words, these words were masked by doubt. What did these doubts say? These doubts said unto them, these words cannot be taken in a literal sense. It is impossible that our Lord should even suffer a little bit. Impossible, unheard of, that a powerful king should die. Doubt hides understanding. Jesus had told them time and again that he was the true son of the living God. Not to mention these disciples, they saw what he did. They saw true works of divinity that were powerful beyond human strength. These disciples saw with their own eyes Jesus casting out demons, casting out diseases, and even casting the death out of people. In these many works of divinity, at one point, the people of the synagogue rose up and drove Jesus out of the town and brought him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. On another previous visit to Jerusalem, Jesus was preaching in the marketplace and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. But his divine words so affected the officers that they could not even lay a hand on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. Works of divinity. And again, in the temple... The Jewish leaders had gone out of their minds when Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. They surrounded Jesus. They prepared to stone him to death. 
And how did the Son of Man escape? Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Of all these things, the disciples were witnesses. They obviously doubted that the Messiah would fall into the hands of his enemies. They doubted any necessity of Christ's suffering and death. Doubt hid the necessity. All along, Jesus had been telling them that his kingdom was not of this world. But they held on to their ideas of a worldly kingdom. They had learned these things, indeed, from their youth. From the disciples, we learned that human reason cannot comprehend the necessity or even the possibility of Christ's suffering and death. The humiliation of the Son of Man, the humiliation of the Son of God, is a deep mystery which we cannot fathom. It's a stumbling block to human reason. We might say, why not skip all the painful stuff and just ascend to the throne? After all, this is God we're talking about. The stumbling block to human reason is confirmed in history. In the days of the apostles, Christians called Jesus Christ their God and Savior. This same Jesus who was betrayed by one of his own, mocked, spat upon, beaten, and nailed to a cross like a common criminal. The Jews and Gentiles of the New Testament church age objected with their human reason. And they said that Christians are fools. Christians are ridiculous. The same objections to the Bible statements concerning the suffering and death of the Son of God, those same objections are still made today. The same objections are made in the name of common sense. Some homeless guy from Nazareth? The son of a carpenter? Jesus. Jesus, who was taken captive by officers, elders, and chief priests, condemned to death? This unfortunate man is the Son of God? How is that even possible? Could not have the Almighty God come up with some other plan to save us rather than give His only Son to redeem us with His blood. To this day, Jews and Gentiles still object. They not only doubt, but they are offended by such a notion. To this day, they still say that Christians are fools. Doubts and offenses concerning the suffering and death of God in the flesh. St. Paul says, Christ crucified is a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. How then, we must ask ourselves, how then may these doubts and offenses be removed? First, of course, is the doubt of the mere possibility of Jesus' suffering and death. Our reason might say, well, maybe he fell into the hands of his enemies on accident. 
you know, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. On that Maundy Thursday, maybe when he was arrested, he was just caught off guard. But then again, how could an accident disturb the plans of God? Is there any power on earth that could reverse the will of God? The foundation of this doubt was removed long ago by the Bible itself. The scriptures do not tell us that Jesus died unwillingly, but willingly. It's not just in the New Testament. 4,000 years prior to the incarnation of Christ, for all those 4,000 years, God had been proclaiming to the world that his son shall become man to suffer and die for the sins of the world. Even what seems to be the tiniest occurrences in the Old Testament that are all connected to his suffering and death, all of them are foretold. These are not coincidences. Willingly God came into the world. Willingly he took the form of a servant. Willingly and knowing what was going to happen to him. Jesus undertook his last journey to Jerusalem to fulfill all things written about the Son of Man. Willingly. There is simply no room for doubts concerning the possibility of Christ's suffering and death. So then, what about the necessity? The necessity of Christ crucified. Could there not have been a plan that was not so cruel and not so bloody? The Bible also removes this doubt and offense. God is merciful. And God is not only merciful, but also he is just. That is, he is holy. God's justice demands full punishment of the sinner. God, though, cannot be merciful at the expense of his justice. God cannot forgive sin in such a way as if to act, act as uh, sin were nothing serious. God himself did not take any pleasure in the cruelty connected to the sacrifice of his son. But, in order to atone for the sins of all men, to satisfy the demands of divine justice, it was necessary. We cannot, by our human reason, even grasp the damnableness of sin. We cannot, by our own human reason, understand the strictness of God's justice. In fact, well, by our nature, we sometimes look upon sin as some sort of weakness that we're only partially to blame for. By our nature, we are disposed to look upon God the Father in heaven as a lenient Father who overlooks wrongs. A lenient Father who lets wrongs go unpunished. So, 
for you to be convinced of the necessity of the atonement in Jesus' blood, you must first be enlightened with the word of God. For the person who yields to the influence of the divine word, their doubts and offenses concerning the suffering and death of Jesus will be swept away. In fact, this is what we learn from the second part of our gospel. As Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Immediately after the disciples were made aware of their own spiritual blindness, their spiritual blindness concerning Christ's suffering and death, Jesus goes to show how the natural man can be cured. To be cured. To become perfectly convinced of the necessity of our Lord's suffering and death. Faith opens your eyes. And, like the blind man, a person must first know that they are indeed blind. And once you know you are spiritually blind, you call upon Jesus to help you. You cry out to Jesus so that he might enlighten you with his word and spirit. All so that you may see. Your eyes are open so that you may behold the wonders of his grace, so that you may receive mercy, grace for you, the forgiveness of sins for you, fully exhibited in the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who calls upon Jesus in moments of darkness. Blessed is the one who cries out to the Lord in faith. Jesus hears your prayer. And all the doubts which your human reason produced are removed by Jesus Christ. When you just sincerely ask Jesus, Lord, let me recover my sight. And then all will be made well. You'll no longer be offended. You'll no longer doubt the suffering and death of your Lord. Instead, your sins are forgiven because, because you believe in the necessity of the atonement of Christ crucified. And then you shall be blessed. Indeed, faith has restored your sight. Your faith has made you well. 
The Lord's passion is upon us. And his suffering and death will be for you a life-giving source. An endless river of life and salvation. Healing streams will come upon you that will comfort you in life and death. I pray that the Lord grant to us all his divine blessing of word and sacrament during the coming Lent season. May he strengthen our faith. May his Holy Spirit continue to dwell richly within us as we hear and as we contemplate his holy passion, the suffering and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.